Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Transformation Church Podcast, where we represent God to the lost and found for transformation in Christ. We're so glad you're here. And wherever you're listening from, we believe God will transform your life through today's message. We are in week 17, golly, of a series that we are calling Cuffing Season. And um, as we're coming to the end of this very extensive deliverance series, that's what it is. Like, it's a series that, like, if you need to be delivered for something, you can't be delivered if you don't know you're chained up. So the truth of the matter is most people think their chains are jewelry. You think it's fashionable to be addicted to certain things. Because culture says it's okay, we think Christ is applauding our chains. But being a control freak, being a boss, God never applauds bosses. Uh-oh. We didn't started this early. God is not looking at you being like, yeah, you on your grind. That's what I'm talking about. There go my child. He's not clapping. For the same thing culture is clapping for. The number of zeros in the bank does not make you worth or worthy. It many times takes us away from worship. And I just wanted everybody at the end of this year to know that God wants you free. He wants you free from the things that you feel like you always have to be chained to. You don't always have to be dealing with those same things, but that means you have to identify what you are cuffed to, and then you have to allow God to free you from that. And so in this entire series, it's been 17 weeks. We only got two left today and Thursday. I told you it was cuffed till Christmas, and now I want to probably come to the culmination of everything we've been talking about because God challenged me as I went to pray about what I was supposed to speak today and then he started checking me. See, I went to God about you and he started checking me. I hate that. I hate when I'm praying for somebody else and out of prayer, he starts revealing stuff that you actually ain't even qualified to pray for them right now. You need this prayer for yourself. Okay, can I be real? How many people have thought they was going to God for somebody else and then God start reading them? Okay. That's what happened. Because every one of these messages is honestly, y'all know I told y'all, I can't preach anything that God's not doing in my life. Every Secret, every one of the messages that I preached, I needed first. When I started talking about being cuffed to control, cuffed to cake, 
puff to cap. God said, you better not get up there and preach nothing that you are not allowing me to work in on you. I'm like, oh, shoot, because I have some other really good ones. I said, I really did have some other good C words that God said, you can't talk about that until you let me touch it. Can't talk about that until you let me touch it. Until you let me tell you what you're supposed to do with that. And so I said, okay, God, well, what am I supposed to tell the people? He said, tell them what I told you. So what are you going to do with all this information you now have? And I was like, what do you mean? I'm going to get uncuffed from control and I'm going to get uncuffed from... He said, that is all a bunch of hot air until you put action behind the instruction. And I said, what do you mean? He said, I'm tired of my children having a form of godliness, but they have no power because they have put no action after the instruction. And so many of us have binders full of instructions, timelines full of what God said. We've been telling everybody in our small group what the Lord has impressed on my heart and haven't made one move to obey what God said. And God said at the end of this year, he's asking all of us, what you going to do? <laughs> Let me bring it back. Because the truth of the matter is, is God has been telling us the same thing in different ways for years. If we're all honest in this room, the first instruction that we ever got should have been the last instruction we ever got from God. But because we're stubborn and don't listen a lot of times, he has to keep showing up in different seasons, saying the same thing in different ways, hoping that we get it this time. And God really was dealing with me, Michael. He said it like this, how my, my mama used to say it to me. Don't make me say that again. Y'all, I'm talking about God talking to you. Don't make me say that again. I've been telling you to get away from that friend group for seven years. Don't make me say, don't make me say it again. I've been telling you to start that Bible study since August. Don't make me say it again. I told you to enroll. I don't care if you do not have the money yet. There's a scholarship waiting. If you would actually put in the action to do what I said, obey me. Don't make me say that again. And as we end this year, it would be irresponsible of us to be talking about we uncuffing from cash and the cuddle and comments. And then God gives us an instruction and we do not obey it. The church is at the most disobedient state it's been in in decades because everybody has an opinion about when and where they should obey God. So as I begin to think about what could I talk about, how could I begin to do this? God told me, Michael, tell the people I'm ready to deliver, but deliverance starts with a decision. Write it down one more time. I said it in another message, but God said, today, I need you to decide. Are we going to be at the end of 2023 praying about the same issues we're praying about right now? And if you want deliverance, it starts with the decision to obey God. Yep. Don't ask for another word and you didn't obey the last one. 
is this what we going to do again? We going to hit a whole nother rerun of you acting like I didn't speak to you clearly? Are we going to act like I I some of y'all God told y'all two decades. You're in whole careers that are out of the will of God for your life. And everybody around you is applauding while God is like, mm, mm, mm. See, I'm talking too real today because some of us have disobeyed God so long that we convinced ourselves we're in his will. Well, I mean, I guess I must be in his will because I got peace about it and I'm being successful. No, that's the skill and the gift he gave you. The gift is without repentance. You're going to still be able to produce in that area anyway because he gifted you and he's not going to take that back. But you want the favor on your life? You want the peace that comes along with it? You want the blessing that adds no sorrow? You only get that in obedience. You've been disobedient. And I said, God, well, people going to need help. He said, give them your favorite scripture in the Bible. Philippians 2.13. For everybody that's been struggling obeying God and doing what he said, God's saying to you right now, for God is working in you. Uh, giving you both the desire. Everybody say desire. And power. Say power. To do what pleases him. I don't care how hard the task seems now. God says, if you decide... I will give you the desire and the power to do what pleases me. Somebody say, I got to decide. Some of y'all so wishy-washy with the will of God. Well, one day I'm going to serve him. The next day I don't. Today I want to live pure, but tomorrow I want to wild out. And God saying, God, dog it. Would you just, would you just, everybody say decide. The rest of this year is about your decision. Are you going to live pure? Are you going to be everything that God called you to be? Are you going to write the vision down and make it plain? Are you going to forgive? Are you going to forgive? Are you going to go actually sign up for therapy? Are you going to actually serve in the area that God said? Are you going to work on that thing he told you to work on that doesn't make sense right now, but he told you to do it at night after you come from your job because you got a responsibility, but you also have a destiny that you got to fulfill? Are you going to actually do it? Decide. And God said, if you decide, I'll give you the desire and the power to do what pleases me. This is what I found out. He can't give you the power if you are loyal to your old pattern. He can't give you power for something new and you still loyal to your old pattern. But this is how, to, this is, I mean, this is me. This is what I do. This is how I always maneuver. This is how I got here. And God said, here is not where I want you to stay anymore. I want you to go to the preferred future I have for you, but you have to become disloyal to your old patterns. And some of us, you would rather die than change. You would rather, you would rather lose everything God has for you than disappoint a few people who have been committed to an old version of you that you ain't even, you don't even like that person no more. Oh. 
You don't even like who you used to be, but every time you get around them, you got to fall back into that old version of you because you got to play your part in that situation. Some of y'all about to go home and you're going to go around family that you about to fall back into the character you gave up five years ago. But for five days, you're going to put up the makeup, put on the makeup and you're going to look like a clown. You're going to go back to the old thing and do the same song and dance instead of walking into that place and being committed to the new thing that God wants to do in your life. But that requires something. I may have to have a serious conversation with the parent to shed the old version of me. I may have to be vulnerable enough to let somebody know how what they did made me feel, how it made me feel. Not just like I was, I mean, you know, I was cool when that happened, you know what I'm saying? I'm a gangster, I don't cry, and everything was cool, but you know what I'm saying? I just don't do that no more. What? No, when you did that, it hurt me so much I didn't want to call you again. I'm only here today because I was hoping that we could start repairing what was breached a decade ago. One clap. It's fine, because most of us live our lives in the same cycle. It's a new year, same you. New year, same you, post that. This year I want everybody to post what it's really gonna be. New year, same me. Because your attitude hasn't changed, your decisions haven't changed, your circle hasn't changed. It is a brand new year. Same you. And we'll be here at the end of the year like, what did God, I thought you said. He said, I did. But you would not, everybody say, obey. Mm. And this is, this is the truth of the matter. How, how strong it came to me in my spirit is God said, Michael, when are you going to obey me? When are you going to do what you know I called you to do? And sometimes we try to complicate it and make it like, God, I don't know all the things I'm supposed to do. He said, no, 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 no. There's one thing that all of us know we're supposed to be doing right now that we are. Okay, let me just take a poll. How many know there's something that God wants you to do that you just have not done? Hands raised all over the building online. Okay. That's almost everybody in the room. And the ones who didn't raise their hands, they're lying. You're a liar. Cuff to the cap. Go back and watch that. To obey God, you don't have to do everything. You need to do the one thing. What's the one thing, Osby, that God said? What's the one thing, Trish, that God said? What's the one thing, Chris, that God said? Because while you're trying to be confused about everything you should be doing, you know there's a one thing that he told you to do that you still haven't. Somebody said, I will obey. <laughs> but this is, this, is, this is what you have to understand because God's going to be telling you things and showing you things. Even as we end this year, this is the thing that I, I had to come to the realization for myself. There's always an obligation after revelation. If God reveals a truth to you, now you're responsible. And many of us, God has shown you something. You're called to work with children. And now he revealed that to you. There's an obligation. Well, God, I don't know what to do. And he said, 
just start reading about children. Go serve with children. You on the parking lot team. Come on, this is not common sense. Why don't you go serving TC kids? Like, 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 I'm calling you to children and you're around no children. You don't even like children. You, uh, you out loud say you don't like children. Dumb, dumb. Come here. God is telling you to do something with what he told you to do. Every revelation has an obligation. And until you start obeying the obligation that comes with revelation, we live in delusion. God's about to do it, not if you don't obey. There are many of us that have capped ourselves or limited what God could do because we not, would not follow simple instructions. God's telling some of y'all, you need to stop eating as much. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm trying to be very practical. I don't want to be up in the clouds talking about the seventh heaven and you can't stop eating devil cakes. He said, you got us, you got, you got, you have a purpose that has to last the next 50 years, but you have a habit that's going to kill you in 27. You're cuffed to the cake. Would you please watch this? Obey me. Would you please just do the thing that seems difficult at this moment? Some of you, the obedience step is just a conversation. You need to, excuse me, some of y'all, the obedience step is just blocking somebody. You don't need to know what they do ever again. They are no longer a part of the destiny of your life. You don't need to be aware of anything that has to do with their existence. But we once had a real connection and it's going to tangle you up and keep you out of the will of God for your life. Obey me. <laughs> what, I'm, what, what I'm figuring out is God's trying to teach all of us something. But the only way you know if you've been taught is if you've been tested. 2022 for many of us has been a test. Am I the only one that feels like 2022? has been a, t it feels like, God, dog it. When is this? I thought 2020 was the year. Maybe I got the delayed situation. Cause 2022 just felt like one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. But what the Holy Spirit revealed to me, Michael, you don't know if you learned until you're tested. The things that God has been showing you in other seasons, this is the season where he said, let's prove it. And the truth of the matter is it's very difficult to obey God. It's very difficult to do what he says in a season where you feel like this may not even be worth all that I'm going through. I'm just talking from personal experience today. There's some things that God's been requiring of me that's like, I don't even know if this is worth it. 
Do I got to obey you like that? Do I got to sacrifice like that? He said, there's elevation on the other side of the test. But I got to know you learned what I tried to teach you. So, Pastor Mike, what are you saying to us? The test is not a punishment, it's proof. The test you've been going through is not a punishment. Maybe this is like a therapy session as we're starting this right now. This is for me, but it's for you too. God told me, Michael, the test is not punishment. It's actually proof. It's proof that I've been with you. Let me just be all the way real. 2022 started off real uh, rocky for me. My first sermon preaching in 2022, it seemed like four years ago. But my first sermon of 2022 was the Sunday that I effectually have titled When the Spit Hits the Fan. You may not have heard about it, but little incident with saliva and it was just like a whole thing that happened. And God revealed to me just recently, he said, that was the beginning of the test. He said, this whole year, I've been testing to see what I've put in you for the last decade, if it was real. I needed to make sure you came to me in prayer. I needed to make sure that when when things got hard, you didn't run back to the old vices. I needed to make sure, because where I'm about to take you, Michael, we can't even be fooling with that type of stuff. Where we're about to go, there can be no question. The level I'm about to take you to, the altitude that I'm about to take you to, we can't be fooling with that little stuff. So I had to test you this whole year to make sure we're not still dealing with those same coping mechanisms. I had to test you this year to make sure I had to touch your trauma this year. To see if you would actually talk or would you bottle it in like you always done and become a volcano and shake it up until you explode on somebody. He said the test is proof of what I'm about to do. This wasn't punishment. 2022 was not punishment. It's proof that you're not the same person you used to be. This testing, even of positioning... This year has been a year of a lot of people being demoted in ways. I'm talking about what I know by the spirit. God has intentionally taken position, title, ranking, money. He's taken people lower to see if their service was dependent on a seat. I'll serve if I have a certain seat. And God said, I got to get rid of all of that for where I'm about to take you. It don't matter how they see you. It matters how I see you. God has been challenging you. Michael, every little thing that I've told you to do, obey me. And I have been one of those, um, how do I say? I think the right way to say it is I sometimes have been a, um, when I feel it, obeyer oh god like there's sometimes i feel like yeah god today's the day i'll do your will lord whatever you ask me to do and the other days like really today today you want me to pray for somebody 
today. And a lot of my obedience has been based on my feelings. I feel, I feel like obeying, so I will. But I, when I don't feel like obeying, maybe I'll get another opportunity to do it. But James chapter 1 verse 2 says it like this. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Hold on. Problems, trouble coming my way. Get happy about the test. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to everybody say grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. Let it grow. Like, don't be disobedient anymore. Let it grow. Let it grow. God's ready to open a door. Like, here I am. No, just let me say, y'all so, y'all so hard. Like, but you have to let it grow. But what God wants to grow in your life cannot grow with disobedience. He said, let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. Woo, watch this part. Needing nothing. How many people want to live at a place in your life where you don't need nothing? Now, now, let's get past the material things. I don't need to go find peace nowhere. I don't need to go find love. Any like, do you know what it would feel like to not need nobody's approval? To be completely secure in the way God made you. He said, if you would obey and let your faith grow, let that thing grow, you could get to a place on this earth as a believer where you would need nothing. You want to talk about overflow? That's living in the overflow. But this is the thing I need you to know. If I want things to overflow, write this point down. Overflow starts with obedience. I'm going to keep saying the same thing different ways this whole message until it clicks on the inside of you. Oops, I've been disobedient. <laughs> Oops, I'm living in a house I'm not supposed to have. You already know. Like, like there, oops, I'm sitting with somebody that should not know me intimately. God, dog. Oops, I'm sitting here watching you, but I should be serving at my local church. You have been disobedient. And God's saying, don't ask for it to flow, and you won't let your obedience grow. Let's just be honest. Let's keep it 100. I ain't doing nothing else until you obey what I told you to do. But what about his grace and his mercy? It's his grace and his mercy and killed you. No, 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 no. Oh my God. It's his grace and his mercy that you get to wake up and smile and be disobedient every day. It's his grace and his mercy and expose you for the trash you've been living. If that's his grace and mercy, Pastor Mike, what is The grace and mercy is you still have a job and you've been lying there for years. The grace and mercy is your children don't, haven't found out that you're doing the very thing you tell them not to do. It's his grace and mercy that he ain't exposed you. 
But don't look for elevation and overflow when we, you won't obey the last thing he told you to do. I started evaluating for myself. Are people who don't obey God bad people? And then I started looking at myself. Am I a bad person? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. And what I found out is that people who disobey God are slow to obey God. They're not bad people. The truth of the matter is a lot of times they're not terrible. They just think they have more time. Like, I, I will obey you, God. Let me just finish doing this a couple more times and let me get through my birthday weekend because I'm on my birthday. And then, and then let me make sure, I mean, when I get out of college, like, I'm going to actually, like, and when I have kids, then I'll actually, and, and when I get married, then I'll actually, well, when the kids get out of the house, I'll actually. And we use all of these excuses, not because we're terrible. It's just we think we have more. I missed it this time, but I'll get it. <laughs> Big man upstairs. Disobeyed you this time. Next time, I got you. And the Holy Spirit told me, he said, Michael, every time you do that, every time you disobey me because you think you have more time, it proves to me that you've been cuffed to the clock. I said, cuffed to the clock? What you mean cuffed to the clock? He said, Michael, being cuffed to the clock is you being frustrated when I don't do it on your timetable, but you being indifferent about obeying me on my timetable. Yeah. Oh my God. The level of audacity for us to be mad at God because I'm not married at this time. And because I didn't have a kid at this time. And I thought I was going to be promoted by this time. And I thought, God, you was going to show them my worth. And I was going to be elevated to the elevations of the elevated. How mad we are with God. How frustrated. And, 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 and God, I'm not going to do this until you do this. He said, you have the audacity to be frustrated with me. Because I don't do things on your timetable. But you're indifferent about obeying me. On my timetable, you're cuffed to the clock. And I said, all right, Lord, you're going to have to unpack that. He said, allow me. <laughs> Y'all look at this. He said, Michael, you don't run the clock. I do. And I was like, hold on. Like, what do you mean? He said, I stand outside of time. I created time as a construct for you to be able to process my vast nature. But when I created time, I stepped outside of it. So when I speak for you to do something, it's not just in that moment, affecting everything that you will ever do. And it will echo throughout all of eternity. You thought you just missed the moment. He said, you messed up miracles. Your disobedience doesn't just mess up moments. It echoes through eternity and it makes you miss other miracles. You don't know what that one conversation would have done. You don't know what stopping in the line and praying for that person through the drive-thru. You wait there 10 minutes for them to make a fresh chicken sandwich for you. 
But you're frustrated when God asks you for 30 seconds to reach your hand out or even stretch your hand to pray for that work. It don't matter if it feels weird to them. The, oh God, the proof of obedience is not in how it's received. It's in you actually obeying. I'm about to teach y'all something. We think obedience is successful based on the outcome. Obedience is successful when it is accomplished. So you can say, can I pray for you? And they can say, no, great. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Y'all missed it. You, God can say, give them $400. And you say, God told me to get, I'm not accepting this. Put it in their pocket and run away. Because the obedience step is not about you receiving it. It's about me obeying what God told me to do. I'm getting happy. God is requiring another level of obedience that is not dependent on outcomes. We only think it's successful because they saw it. They acknowledged it. God said, I done told you to do stuff that you frustrated about doing because enough people won't know about it. Okay. Say so you cuff to the clock. Say, you don't run the clock. Pastor Mike, what's running the clock? Running the clock, watch this, is the arrogance to assume that you will have the option to obey later. When you think you run the clock, when you think you're the one in charge of your time, this is my life, I, I set this up, this is me. All of this self-talk that's going on right now about how I control my destiny, you think you're running the clock. And running a clock is the arrogance to assume that you will have the option to obey God later. Nobody in here knows if they're going to make it to Christmas Day. We assume we will. We're planning like we will. But the audacity to think that you are in control of the breaths that you take. Nobody knows when the timer runs out on this life. And God has given us opportunity after opportunity to obey him. And we have the arrogance to think that maybe there'll be another year, another day, another week, another person that then I can obey God with. And he said, you think that you running the clock. It's time to get uncuffed from the clock. You don't run nothing around here. God said, you better obey me and you better obey me. Because you do not know if you're going to have the option later. No, I'll, I'll write the book just after I finish. Who told you you're finishing that? Okay. Some of y'all, I know, because I begin to really evaluate what did God tell me. Oh, the illusion is if you do a lot of things that God has blessed, that somehow you've been obedient. Oh, my God. Do you know you can actually be successful in the wrong thing? Do you know the greatest tragedy is to win at the wrong thing? I was at my daughter's basketball game the other day, and, and that is high-level stress for me. I, I, I probably will never go again. I'm going to have to watch through FaceTime. I'll be done almost cussed out. The referees, uh, it, it, is, it is bad, y'all, and I have to maintain my pastorship. And it was a lot going on. Anyway, I'm going to be quiet because some of the people watching. So this is what I'm saying. 
one of the girls from the other team went and almost scored on our basket. And we was losing. And everybody on the team on our side was like, yes! And everybody on their team was like, no, because she was about to win at the wrong thing. Maybe some things you missed was the greatest thing that happened. Because if you would have made it, you would have won at the wrong thing. Okay. I got to talk to these, these people who are cuffed to the clock. Because some of y'all are game clock Christians. Just identify yourself. Put on the game clock. You're a game clock Christian. You only obey God when there's an ovation. When the, when the lights are on, when it's time for the game, you'll obey God. But you won't practice obedience in private. You'll only do it when there's a platform. You, that's what you are, a game clock Christian. First quarter, oh, I got this. I'm going to obey God so they can see. Second quarter, I'm going to, oh, give me the ball. It's the last 30 seconds. I'm going to obey God in crazy faith. And God said, I would trade all of that crap in for you to actually honor your wife. That's a written down commandment. You want a fresh revelation? Let me give you one, stop lying. You only wanna do the things that get ovation and you're a game clock Christian. But some of y'all, <laughs> you're a grandfather clock Christian. Oh yeah, just old and set in your ways. Let me just say it like this. If you're a game, a grandfather clock Christian, your obedience is old. You are holding on to one season where you obeyed God, but you have no new resume of obeying God. You talk about the one time in 1995 when I moved here from Kentucky and God told me to join the church. You don't even go to church no more. You don't do nothing. We don't even see the fruit of your life because you are a grandfather clock Christian. Your obedience is old. Your kids don't even see you trusting God no more. You romanticized this season of your life when you really were on fire for God. And they haven't even seen smoke in years. Just identify yourself. I don't know who you are. Some of y'all are game clock Christians. Only obey for ovation. Grandfather clock Christians. Your obedience is old. And this is where a lot of y'all are. Y'all are cuckoo clock Christians. Everybody say cuckoo. <laughs> the, the reason you're cuckoo God Christian is because you obey the outlandish requests from God, but ignore the obvious ones. I moved here from Antarctica to start a ministry to homeless people in this one block. Dang. That's crazy. <laughs> but you won't show up to work on time. You're cuckoo. To think that God only lives in these humongous moments of miracles and doesn't care about the details. He asked you to just read your Bible daily. And you were like, I wrote the entire Bible in tattoo on my chest all the way down to my toe. I'm a living epistle. 
You're a cuckoo clock Christian. You'll do the extreme stuff and won't do the ordinary. The last one I want to camp out here. Some of us are stop clock Christians. Tick, 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 tick. And we think that we can press a button and stop it. We, we think that we have some type of control. Let me, let me give you the definition I came up with. A stop clock Christian, you obey on your own time because you think you own time. This right here is what got a lot of us in trouble right now. Is that somehow you think that one day I'll turn it on. One day I'll start serving God. One day I'm going to obey. One day I'm going to stop doing this. One day I'm going to stop smoking. One day I'm going to stop sleeping around. One day I'm going to start not lying on my tasks. One day. She's laughing at the line on the taxes because you know it's true. You ain't got no kids. Got five dependents on your tax form. Like, like what I'm saying to you is that level of thinking that you can stop the clock and obey on your own time, it's such a level of delusion. But I did it, yeah, when you wanted to. I, think about your kids for everybody who's a parent. And you're telling them to do something because you have something prepared. Y'all going somewhere. You've prepared something amazing for them. But all you need them to do is a couple of things. And they never do it. Never do it. Please just wash the dishes. And they steady making dishes. But they will never wash the, they'll never do what you ask them to do. At some point as a parent, you say, I cannot let you experience the level of blessing I've prepared for you because of your blatant disobedience. It's already provided for. It's already done. Your name is in rooms on papers that you have not even known I was putting you on. But because of how you acted right here with what I told you to do. And I'll just say it this clear for every Christian who is confused. Partial obedience is disobedience. There is no participation trophy for obedience. Oh, yeah, after 16 years, you obeyed me. God's, God's saying, right now. Everybody say now. Say it with urgency. Now. Say it one more time. Say now. Now is the time to obey. And I begin to look at a stop clock Christian in the Bible named Saul. And I want you to go back and study his life because uh, I think we can learn a lesson from somebody who thought they could obey God on their own time how they wanted to, when they wanted to. And I want you to see if we can learn something from his life to see if this is what you want in your life or do you want a different outcome? See, Saul was the first king of Israel. And when Saul came into this position, he wasn't confident, but God said, I've called you to do this. You can make this happen. But I just need you to everybody say, obey. Since you don't know how to do this, just obey me. I'll tell you how to do it. I'll give you the power to do it. I'll send people to help you do it. Just obey. Me. And what ends up happening is God gives him an instruction to go conquer a city. 
But it was the first city he was supposed to conquer out of many cities. And we know that the principle of first is that the first belongs to God. So if you do something, God says, give me the first of it and the rest of it is blessed. That's why we tithe. That's why we do all the things that we do. God, you can have the first. So God literally tells him, the first city you're about to conquer, I want you to destroy everything, bring all of the spoils, and I want you to sacrifice it to me. He was like, I got you goes into the city, kills everything, but keeps the best of a few things. Like, I obeyed you, but I thought this was okay for me to keep playing around with, even though you told me to give everything. We're going to pick up this story at 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 15. Is it true, this is Samuel talking to him, that the army spared the best of the sheep, the goats, and the cattle? Saul admitted. But they are, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. But they are going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. I was doing it for God. I didn't obey, but I thought what I was doing, because it was around the church, would still be okay. No, I told you to do that specific thing. None of that other stuff that they ask you to do. Well, I thought it was for God. So, no. He literally said, then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. He said, what did he tell you? And Samuel told him, although you may think you are little, oh, Jesus, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? This points back to Saul's trauma because when God came to find him and it was time to anoint him, he was hiding behind some suitcases. He didn't think he was qualified for the work that God had chosen him for. And because he wasn't qualified in his own mind, he thought he was little. He thought that his obedience was a little thing to God too. And, and he literally was like, I'm just from the tribe of Benjamin. He always, always thought little of himself. So he thought the consequences of his actions would be little too. But God said that your obedience matters. No matter how little you think you are a part of this story. Everybody say my obedience matters. Write that down. Yeah. Your obedience matters. It says the Lord has anointed you, the king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? That's the question he's asking us right now. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey. I obeyed the Lord. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag but I destroyed everyone else. He's in such delusion that he said he did it and then in the next sentence said, but I kept this, but I did do it. What? Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle, and plundered to sacrifice to the Lord, your God in Gilgal. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifice or your obedience to his voice? Listen, this is what I want everybody to leave here with. Obedience is better 
than sacrifice. My obedience to whatever God said to do is better than any crazy faith offering I've ever given. My obedience to do the little thing that God said is better than any grand presentation that I can do for the Lord. I gave up smoking. I gave up this. I gave up this. And God said, yeah, we will get all to that. I need you to tell your wife what you did. I need you to tell your husband where the money actually went. Oh, it got quiet. <laughs> obedience. Somebody say obedience. Why, Pastor Mike, why are you just camping out right here? Because some of y'all think y'all have time. You think you have time to do it later. Just with some of the recent events that have been happening all over the world, I've been, I've been, I've been challenged to look at my life. Like, y'all, I was just, like yesterday, I was just 21. I'm not even, like, how I feel on the inside, I was 21 yesterday. And now I'm 36. I'm four years away from 40. I'm halfway to 80. Like, you start, like, you start, like, hold on, that means... <laughs> How did it happen that fast? 10 years from now, I'll be 46. That's not that bad, except that means Bella will be 19. <laughs> Bella at 19? But that's how quick. It's how quick life begins to move. And you still got the audacity to think you have an option to obey when you feel like it. Write it down. Little obedience is better than big sacrifice. I'm not trying to hype you up today. I'm trying to help you. God, through this entire series, has given all of us instructions. And some of us didn't even need the series to get instruction. You've been on what you were supposed to do. But now it's time to actually decide to do it. Little obedience is better than big sacrifice. Verse 23, it literally says, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Y'all be talking about people burning sage and the vibes and the chakras. You doing witchcraft too. Because you don't obey God. He told you to forgive them. He told you to write the letter. He told you to fill out the application. And you might as well put on a hat with a pointy top because you is witching too. <laughs> because disobedience, rebellion is as witchcraft. Y'all don't hear the word. And stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. Y'all, I cannot make this stuff up. That means it's talking to two groups of people right here. If you're rebellious, you're saying, I'm going to be disobedient. I'm not doing it. But if you're stubborn, you say, I'll do it on my time. And some of you are stubborn spiritually. God's been telling you to deal with stuff that you feel like it's not worth dealing with right now. This is what I want to say. Disobedience is witchcraft. 
and delayed obedience is idol worship. It's that message they'd be like, oh, skip that one, skip that one. It's going to actually uh, watch 16 of the messages, but at 17, it's going to actually give you the secrets to make your life work. Obey God. Those four letters have transformed my life. Obey. I didn't get a playbook when I became a pastor. Do you know what my only instruction was? Obey. I did not get a playbook when I became a husband. Do you know what my only instruction was? Obey. When I became a parent, I did not get a manual that told me how to do this. God says, if you stay close to me, if you read my word, if you get in right community, if you get in my presence and just do what I tell you to do, you will end up at places you could have never gotten yourself ever. But all you have to do is, what's the four letter word? Obey. There's an old song that says, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus except trust and obey. What if that's all that we got to do? Trust, obey. Saul forfeited the plan of God for his life because he decided to be stubborn and be slow to obedience. Look at the rest of this verse. I want you to see it. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. What? Like you telling me everything you wanted me to do, I can't do because I just disobeyed you this one time? God's saying to all of us today, please, Please don't leave 2022 with the same arrogance that you had the last five years. You've been cuffed to the clock like you running it. You don't run the clock. I do. And today, you have today to do everything that I ask you to do. When I looked at this in my life, I summed it up. You can bring the keys up. I'm going to end right here. I found this revelation out and it changed my life. Obedience isn't easy, but it is simple. It's not easy to obey God, but it is super simple. All the things God told me to do was stuff like this. Stop talking to them. That's simple, but it's not easy. Don't go there anymore. That's simple. But many times it's not easy. Hey, hey, hey. Read your Bible. We read more posts. We six-inch posts. Do you know people may make a six-inch post? Mugs be thick. No spaces. And we just... You could have read a whole chapter of Proverbs to get to the end, and it's like, period. Like, the end. And <laughs> you know it's the truth. You're finding out about recipes you're never going to cook. You looked up the whole recipe, and you know you're never going to cook this. 
But all God said was read your Bible. Simple. But many times it's not easy. Prioritize your spouse. You told in front of everybody that I would forsake all others and be with you. But you can't make time in a week for date night. Obedience is simple. Many times it's not easy. I think about obedience is better than sacrifice. And I just think about in my life, last week, me and my family stepped out in crazy faith. And we sowed a seed to change the generational trajectory of all four of my kids. I've never given that much of anything to anybody. I was so weak after, I was weak physically. <laughs> Can I just, let me just be honest. I had to sit down after I dropped my offering off. When I went to the bank to get it, I had to get a cashier's check. I'm just being very vulnerable with y'all because I don't want to ever get up here and lead like, y'all should know this is easy for me. Like, hex to the gnaw. This year, God asked me to do something that was a sacrifice. Like I thought about it on Monday and Tuesday. Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> when I checked the account on Friday, it was the same. This morning, I'm, I'm just being honest. I thought about like, dang, I, we, we did that. You know how you trying to be confident? Like, yeah, we did that. <laughs> We did it. And when I read this scripture, God was challenging me. He said, Michael, your sacrifice was great. But that person I told you to meet with before the end of the year so that you could start working on reconciliation, this is real for me. He said, your obedience to make that phone call is worth more to me than that number you gave to Transformation Church. And in my mind, I was like, well, why didn't you just say that before I gave it? <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Why didn't you just? <laughs> he said, I'm requiring both. But if you want to know which one weighs more, if you want to know the one that I value more, it's not the thing that's monetary. It's the thing that is going to require your heart. Obey me, Michael. And as soon as he said that, I text somebody. I got to have a meeting. And it's going to be uncomfortable. And it's going to be frustrating. And I'm probably going to have to deal with some other stuff. God said, but you don't know what's on the other side of this moment of obedience. It reminds me of a story I want y'all to go look up in Acts chapter five. Have y'all ever heard of, there, there are a little less unpopular characters in the Bible, but Ananias and Sapphira, have y'all ever heard of them? Like only two of y'all, okay, cool. So if you go read, like they had this crazy faith moment in the church where everybody was given all of their possessions. Acts chapter four, nobody had need. Like everybody was hawking their TVs and taking all the money. It's like, who needs something? Everybody was selling all their furniture. Like it would be like that type of moment. And, and, and God was requiring a sacrifice 
from people and they were supposed to sell their possession and give everything they had to make sure that the community was doing good. In chapter five, we get introduced to these two people who happen to be a husband and a wife. And, and what ends up happening in this story, it says there was a certain man named Ananias who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. So they were landowners, they were bosses, they had a business. God told them to sell it. They were selling it, they got the money. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. Partial obedience. He brought something, he did it, he obeyed. But nobody would have known except him that it was a partial amount. There are some things that look like obedience on the outside, but the only person that knows if it's true obedience is you. He said, he brought it claiming it was the full amount. With his, oh, watch this. With his wife's consent, so they were in unity, he kept the rest. He was going to provide for himself. This is Acts chapter 5, verse 3 now. Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? I bet he was like, I just gave this huge sacrificial offering from my property. And he said, no, 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 no. You have lied to the Holy Spirit. And you kept some of the money for yourself. He said, bro, why did you lie? The property was yours to sell or not to sell. As you wished, after selling it, the money was also yours to give or not to give. You didn't even have to be a part of this, but you decided to step into this and say, God, I'm going to give you everything. How could you do a thing like this? When you were lying, you weren't lying to us, but you was lying to God. As soon, watch this, y'all. This is shocking. Let me warn everybody right now. The next part of this scripture is very shocking. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. What? How in the world did he not even get another opportunity to sell some other pro He could have been like, you know what? Never mind. Here's the rest of it. Don't want to offend God. He didn't have a chance. His disobedience would be his legacy. The last thing he would be known for is disobeying God. He was cuffed to the clock. He thought he had more time. And this, this ain't even the worst part of the story. It says, <laughs> oh God. This, when I read this, y'all, this scripture alarmed me in the best way. Look at it. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. He had no more time. After three hours time, his wife came in, 
not knowing what happened. How y'all doing? Well, y'all, okay, hey. Where's Ananias? Peter says, come here. So far, I got a couple questions for you. Um, was this the price? This is all scripture, y'all. Was this the price you and your husband received for the land? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. That, he did tell me that was the price. What is going on in here? Uh, that was the price. And Peter said, how could you two even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? That's what disobedience it is. It's testing the spirit of God. He said, the young man who buried your husband, this is just ridiculous to me. The young man who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. She don't, she don't even get context of what happened. Instantly. Just as shocked as y'all were. Some of y'all, <gasps> imagine if I was dead right then. No, I need everybody to imagine if I just died and some people came and scooped me up and took me out and buried me. She didn't have time for explanation. She didn't have time for a do-over. She didn't have time to explain how she was feeling at the time and the pressure. She just disobeyed and something died. What are you saying, Pastor Mike? Disobedience always means something dies. It may not be you physically, but there's a relationship that dies because of your disobedience. There's a connection that God wanted to make that. Well, God, uh, God, God says in Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good. Yes, they do. But he has a perfect will and a permissible will. He has a will like this is the what this is the way I really want it to happen. And you keep slopping over wanting his grace to abound even more cuz your sin keeps abounding. He said, "Would you just obey me so nothing has to die in the process of your disobedience." When I read this scripture, y'all started to think, yeah, disobedience means that something dies. But obedience also means that something dies. When I'm obedient to God, something in me dies. Pride dies. Being in control dies. When God tells me to do something I don't want to do, something in me has to die. It reminds me of a scripture in Galatians. It is no longer me that lives. But it's Christ on the inside of me. This is how we're supposed to live. Said when the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. They started in unity of disobedience and they died right next to each other in disobedience. It said they carried her out, buried her next to her husband. 11, this is the part that I felt. 
great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. And I'm not talking about scared fear. This is the fear of God. I'm not talking about a clothing brand. I'm talking about the reverence that when God tells you to do something, this is not like a life coach telling you to do something. When God tells you to do something, this ain't even like your pastor telling you to do something. When God requires something of you, this is not optional. It's an obligation. When God is asking you to give that up, set that down, pick that up, go there. These are not opinionated suggestions. These are commands that have eternal implications. And in this season, as we're about to walk into what we hope is the best year of our lives, one sure way to cut that off is by being disobedient. I want everybody to gain another level of the fear of God. I'm talking about when God speaks to you, it's more urgent than the IRS coming to find you. When God speaks to you, it's more important than a landlord coming to pick up his rent. See, there's certain places and people who when they start talking, you start moving. The big boss is coming. The big bosses come. I'm talking about the one who is in charge of eternity, has given you an instruction right here on earth, and you're still debating whether you're going to obey or not. Oh, I forgot. You're cuffed to the clock. You have the arrogance to think that maybe you'll have another option or opportunity to obey God at a later time. Why do you live like you live, Pastor Mike? Why are you producing music, writing books, spending time with your family, doing this, do that? Because I do not run the clock. And when I expire, I want to make sure that I did everything that God asked me to do. Because it's not even about this life. This life is just the point of reference for everything that's going to happen in eternity. And I know we don't do messages on eternity no more because you think it's something out of a Marvel movie. You think Thanos is somewhere in the galaxy about to snap his fingers and do... No, 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 no. There's no mind stone or time stone. The only one that's in control of the clock is God. And every day that I live, I'm becoming more and more aware that I need to be eager to obey God. I need to be anticipating what God's going to ask me to do. I need to be on the edge of my seat, ready to obey. As I walk into a new year, I'm not looking for God to prove to me that he's been good enough for me to obey him. I'm looking at his track record, and I'm seeing that, God, you've been so faithful back there that whatever you tell me to do, I will do. Wherever you tell me to go, I will go. Whatever you tell me to give up, I will give up. And whatever you tell me to sacrifice, it's dead. Because I don't run the clock. Proverbs 9, 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to walk in wisdom? When God speaks to you, you better take it seriously. You live in an estate for the aesthetic. and You know you're supposed to be in that country town helping that little church. And you out here living your dreams and denying God's desire for you. Obey him. I don't want to move back in with my family. There's healing that has to happen there. Six months of obedience will produce a lifetime of freedom. 
obey God. I'm literally sitting here walking into our, what are we finishing our eighth year of ministry? About to go into our ninth year. And I realized something the other day. I know nothing about being a pastor. And that may sound weird to everybody here, but like the more God has grown this, the more God has done in my life, I realize I have no clue what I'm doing. The only reason I'm standing up here is because God knows that I would be somebody who would listen and obey. I get instructions daily. I can't run this off of plays that have already worked. I don't, I'm not good enough. I don't got no skill. Y'all already know I got six months of high level Tulsa Community College education. Didn't even give me a degree or nothing for six months. I could at least got a pamphlet or something for six months. Didn't get nothing. Got nothing to prove. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be a husband. Only thing I know how to do is listen and obey. And many of us are listening, but we're still being disobedient. I would hate for us to go into another year in the delusion that God's about to do something new and we haven't obeyed what he said that's old. Then my last point, I obey because I can't afford not to. <laughs> Bri, I have no clue what I'm doing if I don't obey God. I can't hold up what God's placed in my hand. I obey God because I cannot afford not to. How I'm living now is not as a game clock Christian. I'm not living as a grandfather clock Christian. <laughs> I'm not even living no more as a cuckoo clock Christian. Because that was me for like crazy faith, do the crazy stuff, wouldn't do the regular stuff. How I'm living now is as an alarm clock Christian. Because I don't know the time or the hour that that thing is going to sound and God's going to require something of me. But at the moment I hear him saying anything, I'm awake to it. I'm alert to it. I'm anticipating that early in the morning will I rise and I'll seek you. Whatever you want to say to me, whatever you want to do, I'm on alert for your whisper. I'm on alert, God. What do you want us to do? Let me give you a practical example. Past two years, y'all already know we're a generous church. God told us to be generous. Last year in one service, we gave away $7 million in one service in generosity with no strings. Y'all can clap for that. that is People getting houses and cars and it felt like Oprah. As soon as I walked off the stage, Brian and Charles were with me and the Holy Spirit said, don't do it again like that. I said, like, God, but they love that. They love seeing the people cry in the thing. He said, don't do it again like that. And I had to listen. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't even make it to the green room. And I literally heard the Holy Spirit said, that was the last time you do it like that. You're still going to be generous. You're still going to do this stuff. But he said, I don't want you to do it. I was like, what am I going to do? He said, I'll give you instructions. 
later on in the year, I said, we're supposed to give money at every offering time, every Sunday, every week of the year. And it's going to equal out to a bunch of money at the end of the year. And God said, I'm taking, this is the year of intentional limitation. I'm taking all the fanfare out of it. I'm taking all the stuff. I'm taking all the people that's tagging me in the crazy faith cards thinking I'm Santa Claus. I'm not Santa Claus. I just want to be honest with you. I'm not doing this. There's a whole team of people and there's all kinds of stuff. But God said, don't do it like that no more because they're going to think you're the answer and not me. And all I can do, Tony, is listen and... This year, we have given... Transformation, put that up on the screen. I want to show you all the organizations we have given to. You might not even think about it, but just to churches. We have given, no, 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 no. Go put all the things, the TC Cross and all of the stuff on it. I want you to put the names of the organizations up there real quick. Y'all, we have given to so many different organizations. Churches, food pantries, sex trafficking. We have given to schools. We have given to orphans and widows. We have given to survivors. We have given, y'all, just to churches this year, we've given three million. Put the number up there. Just to churches, we've given to three million. Here, let me let me get the number on the three million eight hundred and eighty-seven thousand dollars to other churches. And to other organizations, we've given 2,534,000. We've given a total of $6.3 million away. Y'all need to give God some praise right here. That's God. For a church when I took over, that the entire income that came in for the first two years was $1.2 million. That was everybody's salary. That was everything we're doing. And the fact that God allowed us to give away almost $7 million, that's because we have made it a practice to listen. I said, listen and So I said, all right, God, what do you want me to do? He said, give it away all throughout the year. No, no big crazy faith Sunday. That's why some of y'all came today. Just be honest. Some people thought today is the day. God said, every day you wake up, you should be expecting today is the day. And I asked them, I said, how much we got left in the budget for crazy faith? They said, not much. Because we obeyed God. We did it. We're at the end of the year. We've been giving away all year. But there was just a little bit left in I said, God, what do, you, what do you want us to do? He said, listen and obey. The team been asking me for weeks, like, Pastor, God said anything? I'm like, no, I'll tell you when he tell me. <laughs> like, sometimes you got to just be like, I, I'm not going to move until I have instruction. And there's a church of, of a pastor and his wife that went from a mega church, helping at a mega church, and they went back to their hometown to start a church. This guy named Will Coleman. He actually, many years before I became a part of Greenwood Christian Center, 
he was a part of Greenwood and him and another gentleman, they used to be rappers in a group called 2-3. And they used to serve at the foundations of this ministry. And I didn't even know that he was a pastor. I didn't even know that he was doing it. Last I heard, he was working at Life Church and God called him to move back and start a work. And I saw them two weeks ago in this lobby and he was showing on Instagram the lobby and how proud they were of the walls they painted and the tables they built and the coffee that they would serve. And I just saw this, 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 I trusted God and I obeyed him. And so Pastor Will and Kazone Church, I want to let you know on behalf of God and all the people here at Transformation Church, there's a check for $100,000 coming. Oh, there's a check for $100,000 coming to you and your church so that you can continue to listen and obey. Somebody give God praise right there. Glory to God. That was the end of the money. Oh man, maybe I'm at the, that was it. We listened and we obeyed. The reward is not people cheering or likes and Instagram. God is saying, well done. Because we listened and obeyed. Now God, on Thursday, I'm in a finance meeting. And I, in the finance meeting, I was like, we made it through 2022. You know, sometimes when you, when, you, when you conquer a year, that wasn't this year. Y'all so fake. Y'all want me to be fake with y'all. As a church and as a staff, we made it through. You know what I'm saying? We made it through. You got to, you got to, we made it through. We made it through 2022. And God said, all right, Mike, you did what I asked you to do. Now I want you to sow a seed into where you're going. And many of y'all didn't catch it, but next year this will make way more sense when, um, when I tell y'all the word of the year. But next year, I'm just saying it in faith. It is my prayer and I believe our instruction to partner with five different churches that we don't have any affiliation with at the amount of $1 million per church. Now listen, it ain't happened yet, so just hold on. This means we gotta be faithful. It means we have to give, we have to, like this ain't no, y'all ain't never seen me come up here and ask for no second offering, no da da da. God said, I want you to be a beacon to the whole church and I need you to give to places and organizations that don't even see it coming. Last week, we gave $500,000 to the Little Lighthouse, helping with special needs children. They were blown away. People cried. Like, what? Not the church. Yeah, the church. Yeah, us. When nobody would give the victims of the race riot any reparations, for what they went through. Guess who stepped up and did it first? Transformation Church. We gave each one of them $200,000, which would be the cost of a home if they would have still had it back. What are you talking about? Yeah, us. 
that only comes from listening and And so I, I, had this, I had this burden in my heart to give to a city right here, in, to give to a church right here in our city of Tulsa. And you know, um, when I meet with Bree and Tammy and Charles, um, um, Charles always be on my side. Like you're like, Pastor Les, God, like, let's do whatever's on your heart. Like you always need a Charles. Like somebody needs a hype person that's like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. Like that's Charles for me. That's my dog. But Tammy and Bree sometimes, they're very, why well, I need them, they're very practical and analytical and understand all of the implications of everything me and Charles is like, let's go. Like, and so I said, I really feel like we're supposed to give this amount. And Bree was like, um, just want you to know that is over what we were allotted to spend. I said, okay. And then I sat and thought, and Tammy was just like, yes, she is correct. <laughs> and then the Holy Spirit whispered to me. He said, you can't have a forest if you don't sow seed. He said, you obeyed what I told you to do for this year. But now I need you to sow in to what I'm about to do in this next season. And I said, Tammy, what would happen if we gave this amount to a local church? She said, we would give that amount to a local church. I said, everybody get paid. She said, yes. I said, will everybody get a Merry Christmas? She said, yes. I said, I think we're supposed to still do this thing in crazy faith. And so right here, in faith that we can do this five times next year. And it was like, Okay, because many of you may not know, but for the first time in our church history, we gave $1 million to Forward City and Pastor Travis Green and Jackie Green in, in, in South Carolina. And God said, you can't do it for them. And you're not doing it right here at the house. So the Holy Spirit, listen and obey. I was scrolling through Instagram. And somebody who barely ever posts, I see this thing about a building that they're about to move into and how they needed $400,000 to finish their building situation. And I was like, Lord, we could get him $400,000 and, and help them finish. He said, no, no, no. They're going to finish it on their own. I want you to give them this amount so that it can launch them into the next level of their ministry without care and without work. And so this church, when we had a facility that was so uninspiring to meet in, I'm not even lying. We called this pastor and asked them, could we use their church offices to come have a meeting where God birthed the revelation of stride in this church's staff offices and they sold that seed into us when we needed it so today on behalf of god and transformation church and people all around the world in transformation nation pastor matt nelson and city church tulsa transformation church 
wants to present to you a check for one million dollars. This is for you. We want you to move into that new building with force, with faith, and with fruitfulness. We love you and thank you. Somebody give God some praise in this room. It's only crazy until it happens. That's it. I'm tired. I got to sit down. Bring the lights so I can sit right here. Put some light on me. That's it. Listen. And what? There's no other way to happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Do that one more time. To trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. It's going in somebody's soul one more time. Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Whatever he told you to do, no matter how scary it is, trust and obey. He's speaking. Are we listening? And are we obeying? I want to pray for every person who has been cuffed to the clock, thinking that you got time to obey later. Everybody say right now. Bring me that clock real quick. I got this mental image of me um, with that. You remember Flavor Flav? Flavor Flav, Flavor Flav. If anybody knows Flavor Flav, you can look him up. He used to wear this big clock. And I was thinking about this clock and many of us, because we're cuffed to the clock, we think that like we have the ability to move the clock when we want to and then to stop it whenever we want to. And God's saying that this has been something you've been cuffed to. You've been wearing it as jewelry, but it's actually a chain. That's a bar. It's actually a chain, and and y'all get it later. You're not in control of this. Even if I'm in delusion, spending the time in my own world, there's still a world clock that everybody else is on. (laughs) And God's saying, would you uncuff? Take it off and put your times back on the altar and put it in my hand. We're going to obey God. Hands lifted just right where you're at. God, I thank you 
Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity that we have today to repent, <laughs> to turn back to you, to obey you today. Father, we don't know about tomorrow, but right now we can, we can do what you ask us to do. So God, give us the audacity to obey you. Give us, Father God, the faith to not live frustrated trying to make you fit into our timetable. Let us be fruitful because we obey you whenever you say whatever you say. God, for every person in here who is struggling with the timing that you've been doing things, God, I thank you that they would trust you again. That they would know as the scriptures say, you're not being slow, like some people may think, that it's actually you giving us all time to repent and come back into your will. God, thank you for your grace and mercy that hasn't destroyed us, that hasn't taken us out, that hasn't discounted us. Thank you that today we have another opportunity to place the clock back in the hands of the one who really is in control. Today we're uncuffing from the clock. We'll trust you with the timing. We'll trust you with our lives. We'll trust you, Father, with when we're supposed to get married, when we're supposed to have kids. We'll trust you, Father God, with when the business is going to pop off. We'll trust you, Father God, with when the conversation is going to happen, when you're going to promote us, Father God. We will trust you, God, and we won't just trust you. We will obey whatever you're asking us to do in the middle. Give us the audacity to obey. Father, as we're going into this Christmas season where it's usually about everybody else, Father, I thank you that you are, you are giving us strict instructions in the last few days of this year. And no matter what it is, we're going to obey. Have your way in us, God. Do a work in us. Give us the faith to believe you. I feel that right there. Give us the faith to believe that if we just obey you, you got everything else under control. Obedience is not easy. But God, thank you that it's simple. <laughs> that you'll give us both the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Today, we are putting our whole trust back in you. I have faith to believe you have all that I need. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Follow me, follow me. Just sweet right there. You control everything, God. I can trust and obey. You got everything. Something's happening right now. Said, I have faith. Hey.
Just one more time, somebody with faith say. My times are in your hands. My days are in your hands. Nobody knows the time or the hour, but God is controlling it all. My God! I need, I need, I need something to happen. We're about to leave. But I think that there are people all over this auditorium and in their homes that need to repent for being disobedient. And we're about to do something. We got a big arena church and a lot of times we don't do this, but we're about to have an altar call. If there's an area in your life that you know that you have been disobedient, that God is really just it's on your heart right now and you need to repent I want you to get out of your seat and I want you to come to this altar if you're at your home right now I want you to get out of your couch get off your bed get on your floor make an altar wherever y'all y'all there's something about to happen in this place y'all come on up because I believe God's about to do something this is an act of faith right here you you just gotta make a move it's not in me touching it's admitting God right now here I am I'm saying yeah just open that up come on some of y'all this ain't for everybody this is your time to exit but for some of us we cannot afford y'all even move move the stanchions we need all of this space right here because people this is your act of faith right now come on lift your hands come in this place and allow God to start moving prayer team I need y'all down here TC staff pastors we're about to just start praying come on y'all come up Y'all come closer. Some of y'all just move. Yep, come on. Come on. I have faith to believe. Somebody lift your hands and say it. I have faith to believe. the altar hands lifted it doesn't matter if you're in the aisle it's all good you made a step of faith that's your altar right now and now all I'm asking you to do is I want you to talk to God all I want you to do is talk to him and I want you to tell him you're repenting for the disobedience come on right there father every area that I've disobeyed you when I know I heard your voice when I know you gave me an instruction Father, when I, when I know you told me to leave that situation, God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Father God, even as I touch my sister, as a point of contact, I thank you, Father God, that even in this moment, you are ministering to your sons and daughters. Father, that every lie of the enemy, that they are disqualified. Today, you're coming to eradicate that lie. And I thank you, Father God, there's swift obedience coming to your children. Thank you, Father God, that right now, Father God, there will be an urgency woo, of eternity that begins to fall on your people, that we will get the fear of God again. 
Father, that we would hear your voice and we would obey. I pray for every husband that's been passive and sitting back and not doing what God called them to do. I thank you that courage would rise up. Men of valor, men of God rise up and be everything that God's called you to be. I pray, Father God, for every single person that has been trying to live pure but has had a struggle. Father, I thank you that right now there's another level of obedience coming to what you've called them to do to guard their gates, their minds, their hearts. Father God, their surroundings. Today we repent, Father God, for everything we said, everything we did, everything we didn't do, everything we didn't say. Father, today we come believing that you're going to do a miracle, a sign, and a wonder on the inside of us. God, today we come as a church, me as the first person, and God, I'm asking you to forgive me for every little instruction that I grazed over like I had more time. Today I give myself to you. I don't just listen, I will obey. Let this be a cry of a generation. Don't just speak God, let us listen and obey. today God here we are the greatest gift that we could give you is all of us I give myself away I give myself away so you can use me I give come on this is the moment right now where you're giving God a fresh commitment everything that you thought you had control of my relationship my money my business sing that again my position my health my title you can have everything God my status, my social media, my reputation, my career. I want to obey your will for my life, God. It doesn't matter about anybody else. It doesn't matter what they say, Father God. I just want a well done from you, God. Sing that next part.
feel the presence of God in this place. Lift your hands and tell God my storage. My storage is empty. And I, and I am available to that's what God wants to know. Will you obey me? Are you available to me? I just want to sing that one more time. I'm available to you. Come on, somebody say, my will I give to you. My will I give to you. I'll do what you say. I'll do what you say. Use me, Lord. To show someone. To show someone. And enable me. And enable me to say. This is what obedience is going to say right now. My storage. My storage is empty. And I am a Say my storage is empty. Say, say. My storage is empty. I'm not holding anything. Just one more time. Somebody lift your hands and say my storage. My storage is empty. And I am available to you. Father, for every person that made a faith step in their home or in this house. I thank you today that you have seen our act of faith. And God, I thank you that today the situation is turning. Father, God. Would you be so gracious is to clarify and remind us of what we need to do next. Thank you for being a good, good father. So good that you would give us another opportunity today. Father, we're not waiting till next year. We're not even waiting till next year. There's some stuff we know that we got to do today. And God, I thank you that no opposition will be able to stop our obedience. Your people have heard your word. We have listened and now we will obey. Father, we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. For all the obedient people in the room, would you give God a hilarious order? Come on, let's give God a hilarious hallelujah. Oh, there's a worship in this house. Hallelujah. that has not received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Today, everybody shout at me today. Today is the day of salvation. It's a thing that took me from being a liar, a manipulator, somebody who was addicted to pornography, cuffed to the clock, cuffed to the cake, cuffed to all kinds of stuff. God said, give me all of that and I'll help you change. And all I had to do was listen and obey. Today is your day. You've been watching this. Somebody put it on. You've been casually listening in the background. You didn't even want to come to the service today. And God said, today is the day that the alarm is going off in you. He said, today I want to change your life. I want to transform you. And at Transformation Church, there are no perfect people. We all jacked up. How many jacked up people do I got in the building? Everybody jacked up. And so, but that's a beautiful thing. Under the grace of God, we're all forgiven. We have an opportunity to live our life for him. 
So if that's you and you want to make Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior, on the count of three, I want you to slip your hand up. If you're in the room or if you're online, today is your day. One, you're making the greatest decision of your life. Two, your name is about to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life and it will echo through all of eternity. Three, shoot your hand up in the air. I see you. I see you. I see you. I see you. On, I see. Oh, y'all. There's a rejoice going on. I see you. I see today's. Oh, today is the day. If one person gives their life to Christ, heaven is turning up. Transformation Church, we're a family. Nobody prays alone. So today we're going to pray this prayer for the benefit of all of those who are coming to Christ. And God knows your heart. And some of y'all like, well, he don't really know. I got these bad habits. God said, give me your heart. I'll help you clean up the habits. Listen and obey me. I got you. Let's all pray this prayer together. Everybody say, God, thank you for sending Jesus just for me. Today, I'm going to be obedient to your word. And I accept Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I believe he lived, he died, and he rose again just for me. Today, I give my life over to you change me renew me transform me i will obey in jesus name amen can we thank god together can we thank god together for everybody hallelujah hey listen if you just made that decision i'm pumped it's the greatest decision you ever made in your life and we want to help you text the number on the screen we want to give you some information to help you walk this thing out and all i'm asking you to do is keep coming back keep watching go back and watch series relationship goals grace like a flood the upgrade i want you to be inundated with things that are going to help you grow for everybody in this room four little letters that i want you to do for the rest of your life but especially the rest of this year O B E Y. What does that spell? Obey. How many people know some things right now that you needed, like already the things? Okay, all right. Let's not leave this year without finishing what God told us to do. Just get the notepad out and start chapter one. I have no idea what I'm doing. You know you just obeyed. He said, start writing the book. Get your cell phone. You're supposed to record an album. I don't got money for studio time. Get your cell phone out and start pressing record and, and start doing the demos over beats on YouTube. For like, oh, bang. Get the business logo. Well, I ain't got nobody to pay to do the logo. You knew how to draw in sixth grade. Get you some coloring pencil. No, I'm not playing with y'all. We're looking for it to be big, and God's looking for it to get started. Obey. Maybe the strongest obedience step is changing your cell phone number. Some of y'all need to change your cell phone number. Obey me, and don't give nobody. Switching it up. So if you need to contact, no. You go, go, go. Air I'm ghosting and whoever's supposed to be in my life, God's going to bring them back in. Everybody say obey. 
Thursday night, we're going to be here. And I'm telling you, there's going to be a sweet presence of God in this house. Bring your family, dress up, and get ready to receive from God. Thank you for allowing us to live, live and lead like this. This has been a year we've made it through, but I believe 2023 is about to be the best year we've ever had because we're going to obey what God has said. If you believe it, give him one shout of praise. I'll see you next week. Until then, go out and live a transformed life. I love you. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you, and we have some tools to help you on your journey. Text SAVED to 828282. And to find out more about TC, text CONNECT to 828282. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and live a transformed life.